Hello everybody, Bradley here, and welcome into Let's Dive Deep Harry Potter. We are finally at Hogwarts proper. We are in the Great Hall, the Sorting Hat's doing songs, the kids are singing Hoggy Hoggy Hogwarts. It's a crazy chapter, the Sorting Hat here. Rachel and I have a really good time, a really fun time diving deep into it, and we hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Just a reminder though, before we get started, that this podcast contains lots and lots of Harry Potter spoilers. If you have not read all seven Harry Potter books, I recommend that you do that first so that we don't spoil any for you or if you don't want to and don't mind being spoiled that's cool as well i'm not gonna yuck somebody's yum this podcast also contains adult content as well this episode not too bad at all just a little bit of swearing here or there but just so you don't just flick on this podcast in front of your kids i did want to put this warning on just in case Finally, before we get started, just wanted to remind you all that we have places you can chat with us about Harry Potter. We got a Twitter account at Let's Dive Deep. We got a Gmail address, Let's Dive Deep Pod at gmail.com. There you can send us all your feedback on the podcast, all your thoughts about Harry Potter. Maybe do a little bit of deep dive in yourself and let us know what you think. You can put your alternate chapter titles there, all of that fun stuff. Just want to let you know that it's there if you're kind of hopping into this one for the first time. We also have a Facebook group you can join that kind of kind of mixes together all kinds of fandoms and, and cool people talking about fun kind of nerdy stuff which is what we do on this podcast so if you want to hit up the facebook group that is in the podcast show notes as well without further ado though i think it is time to hop into chapter seven enjoy chapter seven the sorting hat at the castle, Harry, Ron, and most of the first years are scared shitless of being sorted. The sorting ceremony is actually pretty cool, though, and Harry manages to convince the sorting hat to not put him in Slytherin. Dumbledore talks about some very convenient rules for the year, which we will be talking about. Snape creeps Harry out, and once moved into his dormitory, Harry has a creepy dream about the turban, Snape, and the sorting hat. That was, you know, a recap that wasn't very exaggerated. I'm, I'm happy that I wrote, like, a proper one for once. That's pretty uh, spot on. That was good. That was better than I normally do. What, what was your alternate chapter title? Okay, this one I really like. This one, for this chapter, I wrote, Nearly Slytherin? How can you be nearly Slytherin? You're only kind of racist. What? That's my... What? But that's a... But it's a reference to the nearly headless Nick joke. Oh. Oh, sorry. I was just yeah. answering your question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> question mark at the end of that yeah i was like oh i was I, like, as you were reading it i was like oh this is a fun thought experiment how can you be nearly slytherin and i was trying yeah, to think just... of ways like at which you could be nearly slytherin but not quite <laughs> you're just like really sneaky but not mean about it so like you're right. really good at hide and seek yeah you'll you'll use any means to achieve your ends but you kind of work to your own code I feel like like cow like old western cowboys they're nearly Slytherin. Uh, like lawful evil. Lawful evil like that's nearly Slytherin. Anyways, I've just butchered. I'm sorry. I took your title and I just okay. I just ruined it. <laughs> I saw the question mark and took the bait and that's my bad. <laughs> You're good. What was I, yours? I put not Slytherin, not Slytherin. Because that's what Harry says to the sorting out or something like that. He doesn't want to be put in Slytherin and I think yeah. What I liked about that as like an alternate chapter title is that you've talked a lot about Harry's agency. This is mm -hmm. kind of the biggest, like this is his biggest kind of use of his agency so far is he's kind of just sitting there and he like fully does everything he can to convince this like magical thing that he's just heard of to mm -hmm. not put him in, in Slytherin. And I find that like an interesting use of his agency. Yeah, and definitely one of his more impactful choices, I think, for the entire series. Oh, completely changes the game. Because if you yeah. end up in Slytherin, like, it's a whole... That's not even the same story we're telling. No. Right, which I think highlights some of the problems I have with the sorting, but also highlights the point of it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so there's a lot that goes on before the sorting happens. We, we get to Hogwarts, and I, I like this whole kind of intro scene. Everyone's terrified. You know, people think they might have to fight a troll. They might have to take a test or whatever it is. And Harry has this moment where he's like, what if the hat goes on my head and it tells me I don't belong and I have to get sent home? I just like that this, this is very real anxiety for Harry, but also this lesser but also very real anxiety for all the students. Like, this is terrifying. Even if you know what's coming, even if your brothers could tell you what's going on, Right. Well, if your brothers were nice and told you what was right. Happening. Hypothetically, <laughs> if your brothers were nice and told you what was going on, not that this happened for Ron, but like most wizarding 
people with wizarding parents would have just been told, like, hey, you just got to sit there. It's a hat. It tells you where to go. Mm-hmm. Right? But I find it interesting that, like, it's still scary. It's like when you go for gym class and, you know, the, the kids are picking the teams. Like, it's terrifying. Yeah, and, and like, especially for Muggleborns, like, I think McGonagall has done this little intro, like, the spiel saying, like, this is what houses are, this is what they're for, this is what will happen, these are house points, but she doesn't describe the houses at all. So you're her, like, I was gonna say you're Hermione, but Hermione knows all the houses because she's read every single book, but you're just a random Muggleborn, and you're like, okay, yeah, houses, but you don't know that this is going to become my character-defining trait? Right, Yeah. That, yeah, you're right. Because even Harry only has half the intel, right? Is that yeah. he doesn't want to go to Slytherin. But he doesn't really understand the the rest of it either. No. I also find <laughs> it interesting here how the ghosts, like, so, this is kind of like the Molly Weasley thing. Like, the Fat Friar pops by, and they're all terrified of the, the ghosts. And then I think it's the Fat Friar that's like, I suppose they're getting sorted. It's like, dude, this happens on the same day every year. You're, you've been here for hundreds of years. Well, maybe that's why all the days are blurring together. It's just been so many years. That's true. It's like <laughs> the same day. Like, it's very. This is this whole thing is very regimented. It's the most organized thing that happens in the wizarding world, right? It's like the 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 train leaves the station at the same time, the same day. Every single doesn't matter if it's a Monday or a Saturday. Nothing matters. It's the same day, the same time every single year. The first thing that happens is that people get sore. Like I, the ghost got to be on it. They've been here for too long. What you want? Do you want to rotate out the ghosts so that they're more on top of their social calendars? Yeah, I actually have so <laughs> many questions. I have just questions about the ghosts. Now, this isn't an original thought that I had. Other people express their questions, and I just also have them. Like, how do you become the official ghost? What is it? Do you just hang around until like is Moaning Myrtle just like waiting around until like, I, I just don't know how it works. How do you get removed from being the official ghost? Is it just that you're a ghost from that house and the, the people in that house start treating you? I don't know. There's, I have a lot of questions about how these ghosts work. Yeah, they don't really... She doesn't really expand on the ghost lore. I think until the, the death day party. But yeah. even then, you don't get a ton of info. I, f- I still feel like the way that she treats the ghosts, and I, and I touch on this a little bit later in my notes, but like a lot of them have died in pretty horrific ways and it's kind of like a punchline the the (laughs) the bloody baron rowena not rowena helena ravenclaw Hmm. bit in book seven is the most fucked up thing it's chilling it's absolutely i don't know how that made it into this book not this book but like this series like that is just wild i'll save my thoughts on that until we get there but yeah, mm-hmm. like the the way these ghosts interact with each other and how they like that, this is a, this is leads to all my questions. I think you have the same kind of questions too. Like, like how, yeah. like where are all the ghosts that died nicely? Like where's the where's the cardiac arrest ghost? You know, not that that's nice, yeah. but it's certainly nicer than having your head almost like ninety percent like, chopped off by a dull like, axe or whatever Sir Nick says. Yeah, like that's that's quite horrific. I would say I would almost say that the only thing worse than being beheaded is being nearly beheaded. That's way worse. That's so much worse. Any it's any version of those types of things. Like you watch, we're getting real dark now. But you watch like yeah. you watch like like TV shows or movies. This is an adult podcast. So we're good, right? Where it's like there's like different ways people get hanged in like pop culture stuff, and it's like the ones that like break your neck, totally fine. Like gets it over instantly. The ones that like draw it out, that's way worse. It's the same thing, but there's two versions okay. of it. One of them is far worse than so the other one. Both bad, but one is immeasurably worse. Yeah, and I think being beheaded is actually, if I was like listing out like terrible ways that I wanted to die, is pretty high up there. Like a clean break, that seems like yeah. that'd be over fairly quick. But mm. the nearly bit of it, that sounds excruciating. Oh yeah, no, that's near the bottom of the list. Anyways, now that everyone clicked off the podcast <laughs> and isn't listening. Let's talk about the sorting hat. So McGonagall does a little bit of a speech to intro, you know, these houses will be like your family. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good intro, but she leaves all of the exposition about the houses to the, the sorting hat. And I, I, you know, I think that the people will demand it if I don't do it. I, I, I'm just going to go through this little poem that the sorting hat has here. Uh, again, I'm a ready. great way to, to do exposition and a very mm-hmm. fun, and this other than the Slytherin bit at the end, a very well-constructed, kind of poem here it goes i forgot how long it was i thought yeah anyways 
You may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge on what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your bowlers black, your top hat sleek and tall, for I am the Hogwarts sorting hat, and I can cap them all. There's nothing hidden in your hat, head the sorting hat can't see, so try me on and I will tell you where you ought to be. You might belong in Gryffindor, where dwell the brave at heart. Their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. You might belong in Hufflepuff, where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet in wise old Ravenclaw, if you've a ready mind, where those of wit and learning will always find your kind, their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin, where you'll meet your real friends. Those cunning folk use any means to achieve their ends. So put me on, don't be afraid, and don't get in a flap. You're in safe hands, though I have none, for I am a thinking cap. I feel like if I was just slightly more awake, I would have nailed that. But that was close. That was okay. A pretty good rendition yeah i could have done a, I'll, I'll maybe maybe at the end of this episode stay tuned i'll do one kind of after we record in like some kind of voice like Ooh. some kind of like old-timey english i'll see what i can are you, do are you gonna put on a british accent oh yeah of course i think i'll do that okay <laughs> it'll either be on the patreon or like in the bloopers or something i'll do one in like a really gross british accent i'm ready all right anyways um <laughs> the sorting hat kind of says his bit and this is where we learn about the houses from the sorting hat so the sorting hat mm -hmm. theoretically should be the best person to give us this intel because ideally it's kind of a neutral arbitrator right mm -hmm. it has these thoughts about how the houses should work and it doesn't really matter how everyone else thinks about them because the hat is going to decide where you go but i find this fascinating so the sorting it's very unclear exactly what it is that the hat is doing. It's obviously learn, looking back into some form of legitimacy or occlumency, whichever one is the offensive one, not the defensive one. Anyways, it's peering into your head and it's kind of figuring out where you belong. And it it's unclear how much of which is, is what, but it's kind of a mix of like your, your kind of current personality and where you fit best, your kind of underlying those things about yourself that you don't yet know that you'll kind of grow into that the sorting hat can see as like kind of your potential, right? Like how much potential do you have in these houses where your skill set will be best utilized and which house will help you become the, the greatest witch or wizard. Like there's a lot of kind of competing things here. And then with Harry's case, there's a little bit of choice involved. Right, and I'm assuming Harry's not the only case where this happens. Like Ron probably really wants to be in Gryffindor because his whole family's in Gryffindor. Sirius Black really wanted to not be in Slytherin. Right, like there's a, there's a certain amount of choice involved here. That's mm -hmm. interesting as well, and so I just I just find the Hogwarts hat sort or the sorting fascinating because you don't have all the answers, and I like my magic that way. It, it leaves me with a bunch of questions, but I don't need answers to them. I just like the way it is. Yeah, it was, like, purposefully vague, because also, like, these kids are 11. Like, really, how set in stone are they? So I, I think the idea of taking, you know, that underlying trait and their potential and putting them with like-minded people that will help them flourish, I think that that is a good idea. Uh, I don't know that making it so, like, black and white, like, brave people go X and mean people go Y. Yeah, I think that, so my problem, so I, what I like about the sorting is that a lot of, like, like a lot of kids are going to go into houses with, uh, theoretically, people they'll get along with, right? And these kids mm -hmm. have to live together for years, and these are formative years in someone's life. You only get so many formative years, right? Mm -hmm. And and spending the majority of the time in those years with, with like-minded people who are going to, like, push you to be better, who are you're going to get along with, um, who will you know, excel at the same things you excel at, I think mm -hmm. is a very positive thing. The problem is the first thing they do with these houses and the first thing we're going to is like, hey, you have to beat the other houses at everything. Yeah. Like the first <laughs> thing they do is like all the other houses are your enemies. We must destroy them to win this cup. And then it immediately kind of adds this element of competitiveness to it. So now the lines are blurred a little bit. Like how much of this is, you know, sorting yeah. for the sake of putting these kids... Like, sorting them in a way that makes a lot of sense. You know, if you go to, like, a tennis camp, you'll get sorted based on your skill level. So, like, if you're not very mm -hmm. good at tennis or you're a beginner, you're not just going to get dumpstered by the best tennis players. <laughs> like, that's a good thing. That's, like, a good part mm -hmm. of sorting to 
put people where they're going to be the most effective in their growth, especially at school where the idea is to learn and grow. But then mm-hmm. adding the competitive element to it just immediately kind of throws a wrench in everything. And the fact that all of these people hold like, it's kind of like in America and sorry, Americans, if I'm kind of misrepresenting your uh, high school footballing culture, but mm-hmm. like people will talk about their high school football days, like in their forties. That yeah, I went to, you know, blah, 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 high school or like this state university and I played, you know, offensive lineman in this, you know, you know, fruit bowl match or whatever. Like it's, it's, it's the same kind of thing where into your adulthood, you really hold on to these houses. And so it, yeah, there's a little bit of blurred lines there that I think are problematic and we will see all of the problems. Mm -hmm. I also... The only and then another issue I see with it, it it comes up later. It's not really relevant like right now, but they don't really let kids from like different houses interact outside of class. Like you're generally in a classroom or in your common room. Right, and I wonder how much of that is like they're the way it's just the way the school is structured. Because I doubt there's like any rules against it. I just think most people aren't spending their free time intermingling between houses yeah yeah it's like i I already have five friends why do i need more right i also have a question about the sorting and this is just a practical question and Mm. and this i don't know where this plays into everything so there's not a lot like the wizarding world is actually quite small population wise compared to the muggle world and Mm -hmm. so at least in this intake of students it seems to be like five kids like 10 kids Kind of five boys, five girls, ten kids per house. Like forty kids are entering Hogwarts, roughly. Yeah, I think right. About. But what happens when the split isn't perfectly five and five? And also, what happens if the Sorting Hat puts like twenty of those forty people in Ravenclaw? Like, how does how does the Sorting Hat take into account? I, I guess they can just magic up more beds in the dormitories if the kind of gender split yeah. isn't quite even. But like, what happens? Like, do you have, like, golden generations of intakes where it's, like, you know, 20 of the 40 were Gryffindors? And so, like, they just have a massive influx of... But also, how does that work for collecting points? If you have more students in your house collecting and losing points, you have a... I just have so many questions about how the Sorting Hat takes into account the even distribution of students. Because it's never mentioned, but I I have thoughts about it. I don't know. Oh, I don't have a good answer for that. That's a really good question. Well, it's because it isn't answered. Yeah. <laughs> but the distribution of students would be critically important to how this whole school is set up. Yeah. Although, what I still wonder this about the House Cup. Like, you win the House Cup, but what else do you win? Is it just the House Cup? I think it's just the House Cup, yeah. Because, like, if you don't, your name doesn't get put on it. It's just a trophy, and it has Gryffindor on it. So, like, why would you care that much? Oh, I oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't underestimate the competitive pettiness of teenagers. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's like fair. just to say you won it. Like that's the reason. Like right, it, like, right. like Harry and like it's the cuz it's the one thing you can win. Like Harry and mm-hmm. Malfoy are going to go at it the whole year. The idea that you can beat Malfoy in this thing Right, mm. it's like one objective thing that that cup will say Gryffindor on it, and I was a Gryffindor, and Malfoy, who was not, is not on that stupid cup. So I, I oh yeah, I would be <laughs> so into this. Uh, we yeah. actually, where I work, run a uh, a Hogwarts esque house system with the kids Ooh. where I work, and they compete for a cup. It's a very similar system, actually, minus mm. the kind of sorting all the bad kids into one house. Like that doesn't happen. <laughs> mine is that right it's very similar and like there's no there you don't win a thing you just get like your name on like your house name on the cup and we have like the bears the eagles and the what is the other the foxes like those are the three kind of houses right and like people like kids will bring the colors of their house in clothing to where i work so that they can rep for the whole week there and there's it's the same idea like kids are just competitively petty and they will i guess it's one way to get them to actually focus on their schoolwork and show up to places on time right absolutely that's part of it as well i i find it like there's just so much about the sorting that's interesting so the kids are starting to get sorted and Mm -hmm. the hat 
doesn't kind of it's different for each one we learn a lot about hat stalls here which are interesting right but for some people like mm-hmm. malfoy tends like not even tends like instantly like touches his hair slytherin right yeah some people like hermione takes a little longer i also find that fascinating how the hat isn't just magically curly like, even the hat struggles yeah. like it's not perfect yeah. the fact that it mm-hmm. struggles means that it's going to make a few mistakes i think you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that it can't quite properly filter out people all the time, which I find is like a, a nice little, so I think, I think the, yeah the desire to make magic perfect is probably really high when you're making a magical book. But I like mm-hmm. that this bit of magic has a little bit of uncertainty to it. Yeah. Just a little bit of wiggle room. And again, another space to exercise that agency that we've been talking about. Right. And yeah, it just it's just fascinating to me how this all works. Uh, we get our we get our kind of, you know, rotational crew of characters going up. Um Hermione's takes a while, but it's it's pretty kind of boring otherwise. Neville falls on his way up to the or falls Neville falls at some point and just nevels it up all the way to the starting hat. Uh, he nevels it but he gets put in gryffindor which is awesome Uh, ron also gets put in gryffindor which which is great um but harry's sitting there and this is the this is obviously the one we're meant to pay the the most attention to Mm -hmm. harry's sitting there and he kind of gets and this is where things get weird with like the the distribution because the hat was going to put him in slytherin so that would have been six Slytherins and four. About it, yeah. Right. Anyways, that's a, I'm gonna I need to talk about that again, but like it's weird to me. <laughs> um, but he kind of lets Harry choose his house. Do you <laughs> think is this? Because here's my problem with this: it works for the story in that we don't want Harry to be in Slytherin. However, mm-hmm. you're kind of like if you take the kids' choices too much into account, these choices are not based on like rational thoughts. Like, Harry's reason for not wanting to be in Slytherin is that he hates Malfoy, and Hagrid told him Slytherins were bad. Right? So for an 11-year-old, that's a very rational set of reasons, but he's not working with all the facts here. Right? Or someone like Ron, who wants to be in Gryffindor, because all of his brothers have been in Gryffindor. You know what I mean? Like, those aren't particularly great reasons to end up in the house you want to go into. And the hat also has the job of, like, putting you where you belong. And I just wonder how much choice plays a factor, because it seems like almost exclusively that choice kind of overrides most things, but also whether that's really smart, considering the examples we get of it are based on what I would consider a very incomplete understanding of how everything works. Yeah, I think I would say the choice, obviously, because I think what they always say is the sorting hat takes your choice into account. So So it considers your choice. I think there are very clear... Like, students like Malfoy obviously would have wanted to be in Slytherin, but um, he also is, like, the archetypal Slytherin. He, like, so that matched up there. Um, Ron would have wanted to be in Gryffindor, but it's not like, I, I think he was sorted pretty quickly, right? I think it took about a second. Yeah. And same Hermione, I think it had to think about a little bit. Um... Probably but for Ravenclaw, would... I guess. Yeah. So, so in in I I suppose it's more in cases where it's not immediately clear, or there would be several good fits, that maybe then the preference could become more of a deciding factor. Um. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm just I'm just bringing up the question because it's an interesting yeah. question to bring up. Like, how much should choice be considered? And when should it be considered? Yeah. I don't have these answers. Like, it's left vague on purpose, which I like. But mm-hmm. as an adult reading this, these are some of the fun things to yeah. kind of explore also, and think about. I wonder, and this is, like, getting way, way too deep into it, but I don't know how much we ever really see Harry exhibit traits, kind of uh, exhibit Slytherin traits. So I wonder if this is kind of a first hint that maybe the things in his head and heart are divided because he is a Horcrux and he has part of Voldemort inside of him. Yeah, the hat picks up on it. The hat is pretty... But even in a, in a way that's not... It's not like, ooh, you'll be in Slytherin. That's where all the bad people are. You. It's like he talks about Slytherin like like a very prestigious place to go. 
Like you'd yeah, be great like, there. Like you, he says, like there's talent. You know what I mean? Like he 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 doesn't he doesn't he actually hypes up Slytherin more than anyone else does. Yeah, and we see the repetition of that word "great" again. You know, from Ollivander. From Ollivander, yeah. Yeah, terrible, but great. Um, so I just thought that was interesting because we we never really see Harry behave much like a Slytherin. We really only see him kind of fit right into that Gryffindor like slot, I guess. I think he so exhibits I... quite a bit of Slytherin in Book Seven, actually. Like the idea that you have to do what you must to achieve your ends. Like our man's like crucioing and imperiousing people in book seven, right? Mm. Like he's kind of going in and he's like, yeah, I got to get into this bank. So I'm going to just imperious everyone I need to, <laughs> to do that. Even though this is like the one thing I was told never to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I think, I think he, I think he exhibits, exhibits the Slytherin traits in a way as they were intended as like, not just negative things. Right. Like it's, 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 it's just in this book, the most Slytherin traits we get are like the racism. Which Harry doesn't exhibit, yeah. but like how it's written, I think Harry actually exhibits it quite well as we go through the story. He's very That's much funny. a "I'll do whatever I gotta do to achieve my end" type of thing. Yeah, even if it's extremely ill-advised. Even, yeah, even if it's it's kind of like a mix of Slytherin and Gryffindor in that way. So in that way, the Sorting Hat yeah. was correct. Like he's very mm-hmm. brave and he's gonna like just go into it, but he will do what. He, actually, though, but not always, because he doesn't. He doesn't shoot the guy off the broom. He expelliarmus is the guy in book seven off the broom, mm-hmm. and that gives him away to the Death Eaters instead of killing him. Ah, anyways, this is this is a book seven thought experiment. It's, it's almost like people are multifaceted in nature and nuanced, and yeah. defined by one trait when they're eleven. Right, it kind of highlights the problems <laughs> that sorting can have. I think that's what I'm doing, is I'm just working through all of the problems that sorting has out loud. And before we move on, can I just want to give credit where credit is due? The sorting hat writes his own rhymes. That's pretty sick. Yeah, he, I think we see it in book two. He, Harry goes into Dumbledore's office at one point and he sees the sorting hat again. And he's like, I'm working on next year's rhyme. So this hat sits in Dumbledore's office for 364 days, practicing his sick rhymes. (laughs) <laughs> and then it, it's a real commitment <laughs> and then on the day of the sorting ceremony he gets put on this stool and he gets to sit in front of a bunch of kids and just spit fire yeah it sucks that we actually <laughs> don't get the rhymes every year we only get the other one in book five which sucks. Mm-hmm. that one is great as well yeah fantastic mm-hmm. but yeah i we'll like, have to do I like... a you'll have to do a rendition of that one when we get there absolutely we'll see how if my if my english accent rendition goes well <laughs> kind of in the blooper reel for this episode, I'll start doing more voices. I have, I once book four comes, I have a good Voldemort voice. Ooh. I think I have a good, I think I have a good kind of Voldemort voice that I want to give a give just, a go. But I have to wait for book. Plug your four. noise. Plug your nose and pretend it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta co- really commit to the bit, visually and audibly. You gotta. Um, all right, so the sorting happens. I think most of the things I want to talk about the sorting are actually the logistics of it all. Um, mm-hmm. But the sorting has happened, so people are placed. We got the Hufflepuffs, the Ravenclaws, the Gryffindors, and the Slytherins. Mm-hmm. People are where they're going to be for the rest of their school career. There's no takesies, backsies. There's no kind of reverse Uno cards happening. You once mm-hmm. once the once the thing says a name, you're you're stuck there. You're in, yeah. Now we get post sorting in the Great Hall. There's a lot of things going on. Um, there's some stuff with the food that I find interesting, kind of with Harry. You know, this might this might be his first like big kind of feast type of meal so that's kind of worth exploring we meet some of the ghosts which are very interesting um we also i think the big the big things though are the interactions that harry has with the teachers just kind of visually we get Mm -hmm. confirmation that quarrel has the turban and now we were kind of figuring out last episode whether he did or didn't but either way now it's noticed and is in like big capital letters on the page quarrel has the turban on that's a big uh uh-oh for -hmm. later but also that harry like snape gives harry like a weird look and that's obviously for all the reasons that snape doesn't like harry mm-hmm. right but harry's scar starts hurting and he perceives that to be snape but it's actually quarrel there's a lot of fun looking back on it a lot of fun interactions happening here with harry and the teachers just by looking at them yeah and very deliberate foreshadowing i think which is is fun like it's not it's not subtle so when you read the book a second time you're like oh yes of course um, but really effective, I think, for a children's novel. 
I just love I just love every time Harry looks at Snape, he's like, he's evil and I don't like him. Yeah, the red herring hey, Snape is very much a, a a main recurring theme in this book. Mm-hmm. And also in other books, like Harry gets actual confirmation at the end of this book that Snape actually saved his life. And yet yeah. we just immediately pick up next book with a yeah, fuck Snape. I hate that guy. It's like, okay. All my homies hate Snape. Right. There's a lot of good reasons to hate the guy, but like, can we just sit back for 10 seconds and acknowledge, like, hey, he kind of saved. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That'll be a book two problem, but. If we're talking about hateable people, can we just quickly mention that Neville's family thought he was a squib until his uncle dangled him (laughs) outside a window? I have notes on this. I have questions. Is that. I, I want to I want to know like is was that there a, my impression reading it was that 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 was like the he wasn't like dropped from a window to test that he was magical, it's that for whatever reason his uncle's just an idiot and was dangling him out a window and accidentally dropped him. I don't know yeah, what's going was, on here. I think he was trying to get Neville to do like one of those things that Harry had done, like make the glass disappear or like blow up Aunt Marge, just like trying to put him in a stressful situation and see if the magic would come out. And but then the worst part is he was holding him and he dropped him because someone else offered him a meringue. <laughs> and luckily I forgot about Neville that. bounced. I had completely forgotten and I and I was rereading it and I was like, what like, okay, I d I don't just wanna like drop F bombs, but like what in the child abuse is that? Right, feel free to drop F bombs. This is very much an adult <laughs> podcast. Yeah, like, he just drops Neville out a window, and he's so lucky that he just bounces. And that's how he got his Hogwarts letter, which I, I, I read that, and I was like, that's not a punchline. So everyone, what we're learning is that everyone has a little bit of the Dursleys. Right? Like, yeah. there's a little bit, like, Neville's crew is certainly better, but they, they're not above dangling children out of a window. Mm-hmm. They're not above that. When you're pot, like, but even if he is magical, like, is that always the way it expresses itself? <laughs> like in no, ha- I don't in, so. ha- in Harry, it was like his hair grew back really quick, or like his shirt would shrink. Like, how do yeah. how do we know that if you dangled Harry out a window and dropped him, that he would also bounce? Oh, what he wouldn't. Right, like no, he would fall and then he'd blame it on Voldemort. Right, right, right. Like it, <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, yeah, it's just abusive. For a meringue. Come on. For a meringue. It, it, I think the only flawless parents are Seamus's, though. Mom's a witch. Dad's a muggle. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds, Bit so, of a nasty shock for him when he found out. So fucking good. Best introduction <laughs> in the movie, in the book. Maybe the best. Luna's character introduction is also iconic. But I oh, think yeah. in terms of like just perfect comedic value, Seamus's introduction is just oh so I, good. I say that every time I watch that movie, I say that line out loud with Seamus. Yeah. It's so, it's so wonderful. It, it sparks joy. Bit of a nasty <laughs> shock when they, oh, so good. So good. <laughs> um, who else do we meet here? We meet Sir Nick, nearly headless Nick. Not a lot going on here other than he's nearly headless, but he wants to be called Sir Nicholas de Mimsy Porpington. Porping, I don't know how to say that properly. Porpington? Porpington. There's a lot of words like that in in like in britain where like random letters are just kind of left off like mm-hmm. norwich is a good example like it's spelled n-o-r-w-i-c-h but you don't say the w it's just norwich mm-hmm. right and or, so like there's just it's not like how we say things where it's usually the first letter that's dropped off there's like so yeah porp- porp- i don't know how to say that what's what's the sauce it's like worcestershire it's just worcestershire sauce we're Oh, it's just no. pronounced Worcestershire, like Worcestershire. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. spelt Worcestershire, but pronounced. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Worcestershire sauce, like it, like. Okay. But it's not like Worcestershire. Like, there's definitely letters being dropped off. It's Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not pronounced yeah. how it's spelled at all. That's a great example, <laughs> right? And so, like, Sir Nicholas de Mimsy Porpington. Every time I say, like, okay, which letters am I meant to be leaving out? 
All right there, podcasting Bradley. Let's calm it down a little bit before we offend the entirety of the UK by mispronouncing all of their words. I'm just popping in here to quickly remind you all that we have a Facebook group that you should definitely join. If you just want to hang out in a cool Facebook group and chat about nerdy stuff, we talk about Harry Potter, we talk about The Last Kingdom, we talk about Bridgerton, pretty much anything you want to post in there, people are in there to talk about it, and it's pretty cool. We also have a Patreon. It's kind of a value-for-value exchange. If you've never heard of it before, it's in the show notes below. Basically, for like 2 or $3 a month, you, you kind of put that towards the podcast kind of helps keep this podcast sustainable and growing and all those types of things and in return you get early access to all the episodes maybe some show notes and a few little bonuses here or there so that is an option as well just wanted to pop in and let you know now we can get back to podcasting bradley offending the entirety of the uk by mispronouncing all of their words yeah um just all of them just call him nearly headless nick which i which i forgot he hated (laughs) by the way i forgot that he didn't like that yeah, well, imagine you, like, died in this particularly gruesome and horrifying way, and you've got a bunch of, like, piece of shit 11-year-olds going, like, ha-ha, nearly headless Nick. I'd be annoyed, too. <laughs> Absolutely, that's true. No one respects the name he wants to be called. They're just going with, with that. Cool House Ghost. So, so far we've met the Fat mm-hmm. Friar, which is Hufflepuff's ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we meet uh, nearly headless Nick. We've yet to meet the Bloody Baron, or... Um, I think we see the Bloody Baron, but we I don't know if we ever interact with the Bloody Baron. We definitely do. Mm. We definitely interact with him at some point. I can't remember when. Um, and then she's we don't we don't meet uh, Helena Ravenclaw until book seven, so she's just not in the yeah, dining or not in the Great Hall right now, or just not in Harry's purview because he's not in Ravenclaw. Yeah, I would, well, if I were the Grey Lady, I wouldn't want to be in the same room with the right. Bloody they Baron. call her the Grey Lady. I, I forget that too. Yeah. Yeah, because she's just like she's not around over much, which obviously I can understand why. But also, Harry's the least observant person on planet Earth. Like, oh yeah, like he could have seen her a hundred times and have never once thought to ask and, who she was. And we'd never know. We'd never know, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like in the seventh book, Luna's like, "How could you not know that?" And he's like, "I don't want to talk about it." It is wild <laughs> that he does not know the Ravenclaw yeah. ghost in his. Like you, you would think like one of there'd be like an intro to Hogwarts quiz that they take. At some point, mm-hmm. just like catch you up to speed and it goes over the house ghosts and all that stuff. But nope. Same. They don't even know where the common rooms are. How do you not know? How does it not? <laughs> like in book seven, when they get captured, they say that yeah. most people say they're in Slytherin, but can't describe where the common room is. How do you not know just vaguely where it is? Right? Like, it's weird right? to me that all these houses don't like don't even vaguely know where the other dormitories are. Not how to get in, not exactly where the door is or anything, but just like the general area. Weird. Wild. And it's like book seven. It's not until book seven that we find out, I think, where the Hufflepuff dorm room is. I think that one's in book four. Or no, it's it's Ravenclaw I'm thinking of. Yeah, Ravenclaw's book seven. We don't learn for sure. I think think the Hufflepuff one is book four when they're talking about the kitchens and Spew and Fred and George get food from there. And they're like, yeah, we went past the Hufflepuff dorm or something. I don't know. I can't remember. Or like yeah, Cedric just... says something. I think book four is where we learn the Hufflepuff one. Yeah, Someone will Slytherin email me is... if I'm wrong, though. Slytherin is book two, for obvious reasons. Yeah. But the yeah. idea that most people don't know. It's just so odd. Like, why are there not... This was another one I questioned when I was talking earlier about, like, there's no, like, really interhouse mingling. Why are there not, like, common, common rooms? Why are there not places for all of these students to hang out? Right. That's that's a good point. I think that's probably just what they think the outside is for. Like, ah, oh, they can all hang out by the lake. <laughs> ah, go touch grass, kids. Yeah, yeah, they can go. They can go. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe that's what they think the outside is for. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, they hang out quite a bit in Hogsmeade. That's true. Like in the Three Broomsticks or something. That's a cool place to to hang out yeah i was i was older than i cared to admit when i realized that butterbeer actually had alcohol in it yeah it's a very small amount of alcohol yeah and so then like all of the actions that happen after they all drink a ton of butterbeer now make so much more sense I, like, ah. yeah i um i don't even think we get confirmation of it till winky's drunk i think it's when winky is yeah. completely wasted on butterbeer they're like oh there is some alcohol in there I prefer yeah. book six when Slughorn just gives mead to all the children. Or book, oh, yes. Or book seven where it's just like everyone's drinking fire whiskey, which I guess is yeah, better because they're technically adults. Yeah, just school-sanctioned events where Slughorn serves alcohol to minors. Right, awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Hogwarts, I, again, they don't actually care about these children. Like, we're, no. we're going to get that all in the Chamber of Secrets, most of all. 
but no mm-hmm. one cares. Like between the Chamber of Secrets, then the Dementors, and then you know, there's nothing they can do about Harry being in the Triwizard Tournament. There's just absolutely nothing. And then I guess Umbridge isn't specifically their fault, which is fair. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, there's they just don't care at all about. Yeah, not a lot of not a lot of thought given to the actual children. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> we get a little bit of exposition here about the House Cup. Um, we've kind of already gone over why the kids would be excited about this. The main thing we learn here is that Slytherin has won it six times in a row. How how is Ravenclaw? And look, I'm a Ravenclaw homer. Yeah. I'm a Ravenclaw homer, yeah. so that's fine. However, how is Ravenclaw not winning this at least every second or third year? Just statistically. Right? It's like, wild. Especially just given what we are, given what we're told about how to get house points, it's about, you know, doing, like, getting answers right in class, turning in good assignments, right. being on time. I suppose, like, they don't say that Ravenclaw's a bunch of nerds. They say that they're supposed to be wise and in pursuit of knowledge, so maybe they're kind of airheads. Yeah, we're we're gonna go in depth a lot at some point about how but dumb this scoring system is. It does seem extremely odd to me that Slytherin has won six years in a row. Like, if you're the teachers, like if you're Dumbledore and you have the final say on all of this stuff, you can just do whatever you want because clearly he does do whatever he wants with those points. Right? Why don't you just <laughs> give it to Hufflepuff one year? Yeah, there's only a few options, like. Snape must be rigging the game. Mm. Just like slowly every year behind the scenes, like one point off here, three points. You know what I mean? Like just for sm- mm-hmm. slow, small infractions that will, no one of them will get noticed that add up to a lot of points over time. Because mm-hmm. here's, here's how I think about this. Ravenclaw doesn't inherently have any good reasons to lose a lot of points. Right? There's the odd like be mm-hmm. late to class or whatever. But they have loads mm-hmm. of opportunities to gain points. Right, with all the assignments and being on time, like the things Ravenclaws are good at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hufflepuff is pretty neutral. There's not a lot of just inherent ways for them to gain points based on their like traits as a group. They work really hard. They, so they, they work really, really, really hard, so they're not going to lose a lot of points. They're just going to gain mm-hmm. them pretty slowly. Gryffindor mm-hmm. is very hit or miss, right? They're kind of just kind of, you know, random bravery. We'll put them in all kinds of situations to gain, but also all kinds of situations to lose, which we see a lot in this book. Yeah, and so wings and big misses. <laughs> yeah, Gryffindor is the wild card. Like they either win by a billion or lose by a ton. I think. Mm-hmm. But Slytherin has no inherent opportunities to gain any points. But you can knock off like thousands of points per day because the password to their dorm is pure blood. Like you're all racist. Minus a thousand points. Like I don't understand how Slytherin isn't like just bleeding points on a daily basis in the corridors of Hogwarts. Yeah, who makes those passwords? That's going to be a book two problem that I have with the password yeah. <laughs> specifically. But now, as it relates to the points, which is happening now, I don't I don't understand how Slytherin isn't like, hey, you bullied the entire population of Hogwarts in the hallway today. No yeah. points for you. I just, I also, I don't understand the, like, economy of points. There's none. There's no rules. Because, because like, sometimes it's one house point for getting a question right or three house points sometimes it's 10 points yeah there's no rules like you know you like do something great it's 20 but if you like show up late to class you lose 30 points and it's like there's no rules it's just not like what the teacher wants to do whether they like you or don't like you obviously they have scores like go they they know what the state of the game is Mm -hmm. there's no rules it's ridiculous is there any tracking to how many points that snape gives to slytherin I have no idea. The whole thing is, you know what? At least it's themed to how much these people care about, you know, order. And like I mentioned, like how they get to Hogwarts <laughs> is the most orderly thing that happens in this world. Everything else is run super incompetently. Yeah, right? like, even Dumbledore's is not above hiring Lockhart for no reason. You know what I mean? Like everything oh, else is oh. run super incompetently all the time, including the house points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I guess it's it's consistent. it is it is very consistent albeit absolutely bonkers um Mm -hmm. talked about the snape the the intro to snape here is interesting we're gonna learn a lot more about that i don't think we need to dwell on it right now other than this is where the red herring snape is introduced this is where Mm -hmm. harry kind of gets it in his brain that snape is bad he's you know he has like a little line like he thinks that snape could read minds or whatever a little bit of occlumency or legitimate whichever both of them um you know what i mean a little bit there but he's kind of the red herring because we know it's you know voldemort on the back of Quirrell's head is causing this 
Um, mm-hmm. And again, no one in this school asks any questions about Quirrell and his turban and whatever. You know what? It's fine. It's fine. Like, the, the Voldemort could have been discovered in 10 seconds by just any adult being like, why does the back of your head smell like garlic? That's odd. <laughs> That's strange. Can we talk about that for a second? But no one does. Talk about why you're wearing a turban all of a sudden. Right. Like, it's just, anyways, it's it's good because the 11-year-olds can solve this problem. But <laughs> Yeah, we'll leave it We'll leave it to the minors. Right. Um, we get a little bit of an intro that Snape wants the Defense Against the Dark Arts job, which is a, just a fun little bit leading up to the hilarious subversion in, in book sits where it's actually Snape that gets it um, after mm. Harry thinks Slughorn is going to do it. So great, great kind of overarching arc for Snape there that kind of starts right here. But then we get to the rules of the Hogwarts. This is a Dumbledore's opportunity in front of the entire school to go over the rules of Hogwarts. First one, <laughs> no magic in the hallways. That's fair enough. I understand that. However, however, like, I want to be clear about how you can practice your magic. Like, this is just the hallways. Like, you can do it by the lake. You can do it in your dorm room or whatever. So this is a fair rule, I think. Mm-hmm. But I just want to, there needs to be some space to, it's a learning facility. You need to be able to practice this stuff somewhere. Mm-hmm. So fair. The next rule is like Quidditch is coming up next week or whatever. So that's cool. Quidditch is a thing. <laughs> the third rule is <laughs> the third floor corridor is off the, the, the specific section of the third ro- floor corridor is off limits because you'll die. Because if you go there, you will die. It's just such an what, escalation. What the fuck? Put the why don't we do whatever Dobby did to the brick wall in book two and like put that yeah. there? Like can we lock this down? Can we get one of them ministry locks that can't be a Lohomorid or something? This is the dumbest thing. Like what? I wrote, I wrote that down too. Because also like the forest. He says, Don't go into the forest, no students in the forest. To the point where it's literally called the Forbidden Forest. But there's no there's no way to prevent these kids from just going in. Right. There's no barrier. There's no signage. There's no nothing. Also, you'll never guess, Rachel. You won't believe this. Where? Oh. Take a guess as to where they send these 11-year-olds to detention later in this book. Oh. Well, definitely somewhere super safe and sanctioned for children. So It's certainly not the forest. forest. That's the forbidden. <laughs> because it's dangerous, right? And, and like, with one adult. Two groups, Who one adult. Who splits them up. One adult, yeah. one adult that doesn't have a wand, his dog, and the kids. And going gets, to, yeah. going to what was it? Collect unicorn blood or something, or figure out what's killing unicorns. Yeah, no, this whole thing again. No one, none of these adults actually <laughs> care about these children. So rules three and four are fucking bonkers. Absolutely, yeah. like it starts out normal, but also there's got to be more rules. Right, like this yeah. is not the only set of rules, and I, I appreciate that we only get four of them for time here. But this mm. is such an incomplete list of all the possible rules of Hogwarts. Like, yeah, what? Like we, find, we find out not long from now that they're not allowed out of their dorm rooms past curfew. Or that they and can't fly like a... brooms. I guess that maybe yeah. that's part of the Quidditch rule. I didn't write down what the actual rule was. But still, there's lots of other rules mm. that just aren't mentioned in the rules section here. Yeah, these ones seem... Like, it's the third floor corridor one really still throws me for a loop. It's like, don't go in the forest. Don't get into duels in the hallways try out for quidditch if you go to the third floor you will fucking die but also there's what? we we haven't locked this up in any way you can just waltz right in and also the stairs might just take you there if you don't know where you're going because that's mm. how they end up there later like the, the staircase you're on might just take you up there and you can either go there and die or wait for the staircase to move again like what yeah is we, happening? We, haven't disa- we haven't disabled that we've let it keep going right. so we're just gonna trust a bunch of kids not to do exactly what we told you. That's exactly. I wish I was video recording this episode because, like, my face right now is just. <laughs> like, I've been shaking my head for the last five minutes. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, and, like, Dumbledore is, like, he's he's pretty old. He's, like, what, like 160 something? Yeah. Like, this is we... his first rodeo. Right, yeah. This is not his first. This is, yeah. So, like, also, <laughs> before. So, last year, the, the third floor corridor part didn't exist because Percy is surprised that he didn't tell the prefects why. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's like, were there only three rules normally? And are these three rules yeah. always the same? Like, no magic in the hallways. There's Quidditch. And also, don't go in the Forbidden Forest. Yeah, that's, that's all you need. <laughs> that's all you need. Good, have fun. <laughs> Why would you need any other rules? D- don't, 
don't kill each other when you do magic in the places that aren't the hallways. Please. And you will only find out new rules when we arbitrarily take house points from you in an amount to be determined. <laughs> Based yep. on how we feel that day. Alright. I think we beat I think we're beating a dead horse now. Yeah. But I do want to <laughs> officially register how dumb these rules are. I just want that to be, no. if it wasn't clear, officially registered that this podcast does not align with the values of these rules. Mm, yeah, I would say that Hogwarts, um, if we're going to go back to the done dirty scale, child safety is very high on the done dirty scale. I like that bit. You're, you're, yeah. you're done dirty scale. <laughs> but we got, we got Ginny's on there. The Hogwarts rules are on there. I can't remember what else you put on there. Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff and Tom. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right, right. Tom from the Leaky Cauldron. Fair. It's a fair (laughs) scale so far. All right. um, The last thing that kind of happens here before you get a tour through the castle is the Hogwarts song, which is, you know what? I appreciate that JK just mailed it in for this song. I like that Hogwarts just has like a really weird song, but this is the Hoggy Hoggy Hogwarts song. And like, what on earth? Yeah. Like, what's going on? Like, and. This makes me think of, like, if you've ever seen the, uh, what is it, like, behind the scenes for the fourth movie. And I think Daniel Radcliffe just says, like, exactly what I'm thinking. It's like, it's kind of, like, bullshit that uh, the Bobaton girls get these fun dance and their uniforms are so gorgeous. And then the kids from Durmstrang come in and they have this, like, acrobatic routine and they're super intimidating. And we're holding singing toads. <laughs> right yeah, yeah yeah no this the hoggy hoggy hogwarts song that's a no for me dog i like i i like <laughs> that hogwarts has a song i don't like that this is the official song I, yeah i like the idea of the song <laughs> right yeah oh, i can't remember the lyrics of the song i want to anyways the song is done i have it here oh you do okay 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 do you want to do okay. not in like a voice or anything but do you want to read the lyrics to the song Oh, everyone, brace yourselves for this masterpiece of writing. Yeah. yeah. It goes, Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy-warty Hogwarts, teach us something, please. Whether we be old and bald or young with scabby knees, our heads could do with filling with some interesting stuff. For now they're bare and full of air, dead flies and bits of fluff. So teach us things worth knowing, bring back what we've forgot. Just do your best, we'll do the rest, and learn until our brains all rot. I'm going to go all in and say the kids don't actually learn a ton at this school ever. No. <laughs> it's not a learning school. It's kind of a school in name only. There's not a lot of learning that happens. Well, it's also like the like our heads are literally empty. There's nothing in there. I just want to <laughs> like throw some knowledge our way so we won't be completely inept. Thanks, Hoggy Warty Hogwarts. Right. Do we need to learn about defense against the dark arts? No problem. We got a really competent teacher... They're going to be there all seven years. You're going to learn a ton. By the time you graduate, you'll be well able to defend yourself. You know, well-established curriculum, consistent learning. Right. Yeah, one of the professors isn't going to give you a quiz about himself to start off the term. That's not going to happen. (laughs) At Hogwarts, where we are learning till your brains rot. Okay. Yeah. I, I think we're. I think we're. I think we're killing another horse to beat it. So I think we'll move on. Um, <laughs> but those are our thoughts on the Hogwarts song and the rules. They're not great. Um, I think that's it. The la- the last thing that happens is um, we get a little bit about the paintings and our entrance into Gryffindor. I can't remember what the password is. It's wildly Latin. I, that's all I remember about it. Is the password Draconis? Yeah, just weirdly Latin, considering the passwords that we're gonna get later. In the yeah. story, I think I think JK kind of gives up on the passwords being. Yeah, I think it means head of the dragon in Latin. Yeah, that cool. Was another thing that I googled. Yeah, it's super Which, cool. Like, neat, but like, also she uses Latin for spells. So, are you just gonna like accidentally summon a dragon head if you're not careful? That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be hilarious if you like accidentally blow up a wall or something trying to get into your dorm room. Yeah. I prefer the I also... Ravenclaw way of getting in. Which, yeah. I like the riddle. Although, like, if, but imagine you're like, you're like, you're in your last year, you're 17, you've had a great day at Hogsmeade, but you're like probably a little drunk. And this freaking statue asks you a question. And you're like, I don't know. Oh, do they have to have a designated. A designated riddle answer? Yeah, instead of a designated driver, a designated riddler. 
Yeah. I, I bet, oh, I you know how I, I bet you they pay someone in the sixth year who's like well versed in how these riddles work by now. Mm. To like Yeah, I think Luna was saying if you get stuck, you just have to wait for someone else I to come think, I think what out. happens is they have like kind of like a, not like an obscene hazing, but like there's a hazing ritual in year six where you have to spend all of that year being the riddle answerers. Mm. So by the time you're like having a fire whiskey party in year yeah. seven, you've done your time as the riddler. Yeah, so you've earned it. Mm, fair. I could see that. That's how I'm going to headcanon how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, we also get the dream about the turban. Uh, a little a little on the nose. Um, I'm surprised <laughs> Harry doesn't dream about this and go, hey, maybe Snape isn't the bad guy. <laughs> it's the other guy that wears the turban. <laughs> mysterious not suspicious at all there's only one guy that i know that wears a turban and this really weird dream about this turban is frightening me i bet you it's snape (laughs) i bet you it's snape (laughs) it's kind of how this goes but um i think that's it for this chapter there's no point in dwelling on this dream because it may it comes up again a lot later it's a little more important Mm -hmm. later but it happens now and there's a dream about a turban that's very mysterious rachel Mm -hmm. so oh so mysterious shrouded in mystery yeah um do you have any overall thoughts about this chapter um i just had one thought about peeves i'm kind of sad he wasn't in the movie because i think it's part of the reason why filch is so angry all the time is because he's constantly having to deal with this like poltergeist that's constantly ruining things and i that would annoy me too so just like oh filch is just a grumpy old man without the context of the actual like demon ghost in the castle ruining his life every day right yeah it's, it feels just kind of just like a, a flanders at flanders at flander i i can't know how you say it for the simpsons flanderization i think that's what they call it when like mm-hmm. a character is just a stereotype yeah flanderization uh, yeah and so he's yeah in the in the movies he's just kind of he's just a weird dude who's grumpy all the mm-hmm. time and kind of incompetent yeah, yeah. i also um going way way back to the start of the chapter i love the description of the great hall it's it's um it's i think it's the most magical room that he's ever been in because you know, it's like the floating candles the ceiling that looks like the sky um and changes to reflect the weather and then you know like the magically appearing food i it's just the most magical room ever i remember the first time seeing it in the movies it was breathtaking I think that's the yeah. thing they do best. And I, I, I kind of like in my head trying to prep for the movie one pod and just kind of as I'm reading through kind of figure out, oh, I like this change. You know what I mean? And the, I mm-hmm. think the the way they do the Grand Hall is is the best set design, I think, of that first movie for sure. Yeah. I think I made a note that it like it ruined all interior decorating aspirations I could ever have because I will never be able to have a giant room with an arching ceiling and floating candles. Right. So that that's when you knew you weren't going to be an interior designer. Yeah, yeah. It was an option until you saw the movie. And then once you saw the movie, like, <laughs> maybe it's not for it's me. Like, yeah, I can't top that. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any other... I, I think I think I, I think this chapter is kind of one of the ones that you can spend a lot of time just making fun of with the rules and the, the way the sorting works. You know what I mean? There's a lot here that's just kind of, as an adult, reading it, you can kind of like poke holes into that, oh, this is a magical book for 11-year-olds. And like yeah. a lot of this doesn't actually make a ton of sense. I I just really love this chapter though. It's a fantastic chapter. It's such a good read. Mm. Um, these chapters that are ostensibly not very packed with action. Like there's not a lot of like you know cinematic action sequences happening in any of these chapters, but they're still very well done. They it doesn't feel slow or like a slog to get through all the exposition. Um, mm-hmm. The way that you learn about these things kind of all at the same time, but never in a way that feels overwhelming. I know that's feedback I have for every chapter so far, but it's still great here. I, I just really like this yeah. chapter, but. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's well done and, and dense, but also funny. I, I always forget um, when it's been a while since I've read the books, I forget how funny the first few books are. And, you know, obviously we joke about like how horrifying Nearly Headless Nick is, but when you read it, he's funny. And it's a moment of levity, and obviously Harry's super nervous, and there's a bunch of stuff going on, but the tone is light. And I really like that. Yeah. All right. Chapter winners. What do you got? Okay. Uh, I have to give this to Harry again. 
I know it's boring, but um, and I think I think you'll start seeing me say Hermione more as we get into some of the next chapters. But for right now, like we're still very much in Harry's head, and uh, I mentioned it earlier, but you know, saying not Slytherin, not Slytherin—that's his first real big choice, and it's such a foundational choice for him. And and. Uh, I, I can't I can't really find a character in the chapter that does more for themselves in this time than Harry does. Right. So I I, oh, I do have to give props to the sorting hat. He's a runner up. <laughs> I I had Harry and I don't mm-hmm. know if I changed my mind when I was reading this chapter this morning or if I got cold feet on picking Harry three times because I'm on a vendetta to try and prove that Harry doesn't win. <laughs> And so I'm a little bit of a biased picker of chapter winners in that way is that like I'm, I'm in charge. I guess this isn't a scientific experiment with like proper controls where there's neutral people (laughs) picking these things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I changed mine to Neville and I, for actually, I think what happened with me is I got really on board with how I picked my winner for the last chapter in the Mm -hmm. sense that like Harry made it right. Like he made it through, he got to Hogwarts And I think for Neville here, when you consider his arc and how it's going to end, I really, I feel bad for him here. And I'm going to feel bad for him for the rest of this book and the rest of kind of up through till book four or five, you really feel bad for him. And then you meet his parents in the, in um, St. Mungo's and then you really, that's when his arc kind of really starts. (laughs) Yeah. And so, but I want to give it to him here because he makes it, he gets into Gryffindor which is, I think part of the sorting is that you're you're looking at potential, right? Like, Neville is not kind of ready to be at Hogwarts, I don't think. He's going to really struggle in all his classes going forward. He's, I don't know, he's just kind of a, kind of, kind of a, an idiot. Like, even in book three, fish he's going to... Fish out of water. Yeah, fish out of water. In book three, even, he's going to be like 12 or 13 or 14 or whatever when he leaves, like, the passwords lying around for Sirius Black, right? Like, yeah. however, the point of the house system and the point of the sorting is to kind of get you in a place where you will best grow and find success. And I think mm-hmm. he makes it there. And by the end of book seven, he will have fulfilled his destiny as a Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to give it to him here. He makes it into Gryffindor. It's where he's got to be. It's where he needs to be. And he's going to struggle greatly. He will not win another chapter for a very long time. I know exactly when he will win another chapter. Right. I have a feeling. <laughs> I have a feeling I'm on the same one. But it's not for a while. So I think yeah. I ain't give it to Neville here. Harry's going to win a ton of chapters. Um, but I think Neville makes it in this one. Which I mm-hmm. think is worthy of winning. I I see it. I see it. I do have a soft spot in my heart for Neville, knowing what I know now and how he acts as kind of a foil to Harry. But I can get into that way later because it doesn't come up for a while. Right, yeah. It won't come up till whichever book. Book five is when we get the prophecy? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. What's your kind of non-living thing winner? I need to find a better name for this. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess my favorite theme in this chapter was initiation. Um, not... not not like hazing but just right it's all starting now and whether it's a joke and maybe you'll have to fight trolls or you'll just have to get sorted and then you'll have to you know make your new friends and you'll have to go to your common room for the first time it's you're solidifying your place in this school and i think um and not just harry is doing it everyone is having all the first years are having to do it and they're having their own separate experiences separated from harry so i think for all of them this is just this is it now they're initiated they're in they're ready to start classes and it's time to get going yeah i i like your answer better than my answer but i'm gonna stick with mine i wrote i wrote the notes for this chapter a while ago and Mm -hmm. i think now that i've thought about it more i changed to something else however i will defend my pick from a while back i'm gonna go with separation and the reason why I don't like this pick in retrospect is it's kind of like, it's kind of equal parts. Like you're being separated from the group to be joined with your house, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it's kind of only getting half the picture across. But what I liked about this chapter and kind of rereading it is you're kind of, it's, it's kind of, it actually goes along the lines of initiation quite a bit. It's like 
you especially via harry's point of view like now is that he's finally separated from the muggle world like he was worried that mm-hmm. he'd get to the the sorting hat and the hat would tell him to go home or mcgonagall would tell mm-hmm. him to go home right but kind of making it past that barrier is finally where he gets to cut ties kind of formally with the muggle world for the year and he's now been placed in the wizarding world so he's kind of separated from that again though but he's like joining right like i i just took one side of this coin but it's it's oh it's equal mm-hmm. on the other um the the kids are being separated from each other based on mm. whatever the sorting hat uh, decides um yeah. so yeah i picked separation i think initiation or kind of um whatever other synonym i'd use for like joining or whatever is probably a better pick but i'll defend separation it, it's present that theme is present yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, we see, we still see Harry thinking about the Dursleys, but less and less as the chapter goes on. Yeah, he absolutely. He kind of remove it from his conscious mind. I think once he sees the food on the table, that's when it clicks. Ah, I'm done. Oh, yeah. This is He's awesome. Like, oh, yeah. Heck yeah, them. This is great. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Um, My last thought was, I, I feel like I should disclaim that I am a Ravenclaw. I, feel, I know I said that last time, but I'm a Ravenclaw. All of my opinions are those heavily Ravenclaw biased. If I have said anything like super not kind to any of the other houses, I'm so very sorry. I'll take the other approach. I'm also a Ravenclaw. And if I said anything unkind about your house, Ravenclaw's rule, we should win the house cut more. <laughs> your houses stink. We are third parties that are completely impartial. <laughs> All right. All right. There, there used to be so much more balance on this podcast with a Hufflepuff here who was just kind of nice to everyone and <laughs> and someone American too. So when we're doing like dollar conversions, like, or when I'm trying to talk about like the fruit bowl football games or whatever, like. You'd actually know. <laughs> someone would actually know what, what I'm trying to talk about. Uh, yeah. 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 I'll take the opposite Ravenclaw approach. Ravenclaw's rule. I love Ravenclaw. We should have won the House Cup in the last six years. It's ridiculous. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure my dog's a Slytherin because I think he does things just to spite me. So I have to be a little more balanced. Right. You bought your dog a Ravenclaw bandana, though. <laughs> oh, well I, well, I have said that all houses are great and you shouldn't take my opinions too seriously. My actual opinion is that Ravenclaw's rule and that my dog should be a Ravenclaw. Right. <laughs> all right let's end this i will say actually nothing you should you, please do not take this podcast seriously ever for any reason not in this episode yeah. not in any previous episodes not any future episodes this is not a formal academic analysis of harry potter <laughs> this is just two people who like harry potter who want to make fun of the house rules a little bit for an hour on a sunday <laughs> that's what's happening so if we said anything that offended your house we're sorry you can make a podcast and dunk on ravenclaws to get us back. I love Clement. And then there'll be more Harry Potter podcasts in the world for people to listen to, and everyone will win. And it'll be great. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. In the next episode, we'll be back with chapter eight. I don't actually know what it's called because it's not in this notes. So <laughs> chapter eight is called something, and we'll be back to talk about it in the next episode of this podcast. This episode of Let's Dive Deep was edited and produced and talked to and whatever all the jobs are on a podcast. They were all done by me. I'm Bradley. Rachel also co-hosted this episode. Still super thankful to Rachel for hopping on in and, you know, kind of being a a pinch hitter, I think, is the base. Is it a pinch hitter in baseball? That word in the baseball universe means something that I think is what Rachel's doing. And, And, you know, diving deep into Harry Potter. It's super nice of her to take some time on her Sundays each week to talk about these chapters with me. We'll be back at you next week with chapter eight as we slowly chug our way through the philosopher's stone thank you so much for listening don't forget to subscribe to this podcast make sure it's hopping in your feed auto downloading all of that good stuff leave a review maybe tell a friend whatever you got to do let's get this podcast out to more and more potter fans out there so they have this is a you know fun because lots of harry potter podcasts are already done so for harry potter fans out there they can follow one in real time that's kind of cool so make sure you're telling your friends about it Otherwise, I think that'll do it for us for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next one.